Good morning. I want you to turn to the person beside you and shake their hand, and I want you to say to them, do everything for God's glory. Now, if we knew what that meant, we could all just go home, right? But we need to talk about worship this morning. I want us to look at John chapter 4, verses 21 to 26 this morning. And I've got three other passages that I want to talk about uh, that I want you to listen to God this morning. Uh, We're going to look at John chapter 4, verses 21 to 26. Jesus talks to the woman at the well uh, about worship. And then uh, we're going to look at, uh, now I need you to do something. In your mind, I need you to take the word worship, and I need you to flip a switch, and I need you to think about Monday through Saturday. Okay? Because when I just said worship, everybody in the room, including me, just thought, this is what we do here. And what I want to get you to see this morning is that God wants us, He desires for us, He works in us that we would do, that we would do everything for His glory. Okay, now I'll explain what that means in just a minute. We're going to come back to it, we're going to see it in, in the woman at the well, and then we'll see it in some other scriptures. But I want you to um, think about something this morning. What's the very first, the the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, the chief end of man is, what is the chief end of man? The answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I read a book about, gosh, 15 years ago, called Desiring God by John Piper. And in that book, John Piper says, maybe we need to change one word. Maybe the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. We, the, one of the ways that we glorify God is to enjoy Him. And that's why we want to look at God's Word and see that whatever we do, we do it for God's glory. John chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Listen to this. It says, Whether you eat or drink, whether you, eat, whether you eat popcorn, whether you eat filet mignon, whether you ate bacon for breakfast this morning, whether you drink orange juice or whether you drink water or whether you drink Coca-Cola or whatever you drink. He says, whatever you eat or drink, whatever, whatever you do, 
Do it all to the glory of God. Psalm 90 verse 14 says, Satisfy us in the morning. Satisfy us. I want to, There's a way to live life that you're satisfied in so much other stuff. And you can come to church for all of your life and, and, and you never give glory to God. The psalm writer says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. How do you, how do you, measure, how do you measure worship? How, how, do you, how, do you know, how do you know if you worship? How do you know if you do it? How do you, can, can you measure it? Have you thought about how to enjoy God lately? Um, Sunday, uh, May the 21st, did you know that the Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth, they had their last ever greatest show on earth. Was anybody else hear about that? Did, were you as sad as me? When I was a kid, I wanted to, I wanted to, I loved the circus. My, we, I remember the first time we went to the circus, and there, were, there was this big ball that was a cage. And they opened a little door, and three men got in this ball with their uh, motorcycles. You remember that? These men got it, and they cranked them up, and they were zoo, 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 zoo. And three of them at the same time were just flying around in this cage. And I thought, when I grow up, I want to join the circus. But I became a pastor. And they're kind of the same thing. <laughs> I thought about this week. I th- I, is your life ever like a circus? <laughs> I mean, my, my wife and I, we got up yesterday. Somebody gave us tickets to a breakfast. And we got up and we were out the door just like that. And I got in the car and I thought, we... I know our kids are older and grown, but that was so fun. We didn't have to get up and get little kids ready and change any diapers. When you're like, when you have little kids, your life is a circus. I know, I've been there, and I'm so glad that ours are gone and uh, we can. We don't have any grandkids. What did I say? <laughs> our kids are older and grown, and now we're anticipating grandchildren. But life is—it's it, still like the circus. Now you gotta work. I mean, you gotta work and pay bills and do all this stuff. And doesn't matter if you've got little kids or grandchildren. Uh, life can be like a circus. But do you ever stop in the midst of the circus just to reflect on how good God is? That's what worship is. That's what gives us stability in life, and uh, that's what we want to talk about this morning. God. Listen to me. God is a joyful God. The Bible's full of passages that says there are pleasures at His right hand forevermore. How would you like to spend eternity with a grumpy, old, angry man? Because some of you picture God that way. Some of you picture God as this grumpy old guy and he's just looking out and he's waiting to get you and when you oh you step out on and he smacks you on the hand and, and you think God is that way and I'm here to tell you 
God's not that way. God is the most, the most joyful person in the universe. I picture God when He created everything, when He just when He flung stars out, when He was, like we sang this morning, He's indescribable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. When God just flung all the stars out and He made them, He thought, look at what I did. And He was happy about it. And when He made you, He was happy about you. And when He made the world, and when He, when he orchestrates your life, He's, a, he's, he's full of joy, and His joy overflows to us in gazillions of different ways. And if we're going to worship God, we need to understand that we need to enjoy God. The Bible tells us that in order to do that, we need to be converted. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel tells us, I'll, I'll, give, them, I'll give my people new hearts, I'll take out the heart of stone, I'll put in a heart of flesh. I'll never turn away from doing them good. God, get, when, when you come to Christ, God gives you taste buds for Himself. I've told you the story about collard greens. My wife worked in the cafeteria. Some of y'all weren't here the Sunday I told this. So I'll tell it again. Uh, my wife worked in the cafeteria in Bible college, and she would uh, dip up these good, good, good collard greens. And she would dip them. She grew up in Iowa. They didn't have stuff like that up there. And she thought, what? Who in the world would eat this stuff? And tall, dark, handsome Pastor Dave came through the line and got a. I said, give me the biggest bowl of collard greens you can give me. And she said, you really eat that stuff? It smells like the hog manure on the hog farm I grew up on in Iowa. And several years later, her taste buds changed, and she liked my mama's collard greens. Something happened to her. She loves collard greens now. But if we're going to love Christ, you can't just expect to come here on Sunday morning and click your little time card and go home and say, I did my worship. I, I did the order of worship. That's not the way this works. Something has to give you taste buds for God. Now, number one this morning... I want you to see that uh, worship, to enjoy God, worship is all of life. Number one, worship is all of life. Look at this passage where John, uh, Je John tells us about Jesus in this conversation with a woman. He's, he's at, talking to a woman at the well. Now, there are no quick trips around. There's no Circle K down the street. There's no Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's. And so where you went to quench your thirst was the little local well. And they meet up at this well. And Jesus is not even supposed to be talking to her. She's a Samaritan. Most likely she's a prostitute. She had five husbands. But Jesus tells her that he's the living water. To come to him for her need, for him as her Savior. And she mentions her husband's or Jesus mentions her husband's, and she tries to change the subject, and Jesus takes this opportunity to teach her about worship, that worship is all of life. Now, we learn something about her, and we learn something about ourselves in this passage. What we learn in this passage, first of all, is this, is that worship is not disconnected from life. Worship is connected to all of life. 
Like I said, when most of us here worship, we think about Sunday morning, Clover ARP, 10 o'clock, or wherever you go to church. Some of you might. By the way, if you're a guest, thank you for coming this morning. We're glad that you're here. I'm not the pastor. They just let me do this till the new guy gets here. But uh, when we hear the word worship, we think Sunday morning. And Jesus is talking to this woman at the well, and they get into this conversation about just normal, everyday life. I asked earlier, how do you measure joy? Jesus tells her that he's the Messiah. And so one of the ways to know how you worship or what you worship is it will come out of you somehow. What you worship, what you love, what you enjoy is going to come out some way, somehow. It it will. If I came over to your house this afternoon about 4 o'clock and we started talking, I could ask you some questions and and you you would start to talk about what you enjoy. And in a way, that's what we worship. The question I want to ask you is this. Do you ever, does the joy of God, does the joy that you know Christ, does that worship ever just bubble over out of you? You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look at what this woman does in the rest of the passage. It's in your Bible. But one of the ways to know what you enjoy is it comes out. This lady, she doesn't slowly stroll back into town and she just, oh, by the way, guess who I met? Met some guy at the well. She runs back into town and she tells everybody she knows, listen, she says, this man told me everything about me. And I met him and, I, and I'm, he's the Messiah and he forget. Her, jo- her, her enjoyment in God overflowed. If you were to talk to me, you'd find out what I love. There's a restaurant that my wife and I went out to uh, our anniversary. We went to the little, we went to the pump house. You know that hooty patootie place over on the river over there. We went to there and uh, and uh, the wait- waiter came up and he said, uh, "This is our special for tonight. This afternoon we have pork cheek." And I said. Pork what? He said, pork cheek. And usually when they give the special, I say, no thanks. I have, the, I have a ribeye or the pork chops or the crab cakes. But I said, there's no way I'm eating pork cheek. But let me tell you something. If you ever go to the, if you ever go to the pump house, get the pork cheek. It's good. I sat there and it was the, I said, well, what's it like? He said, it's the, you know, the kind of the edge around a ribeye, how soft and tender that is. He said, it's just like that. It's only, t-. and I got that, y'all, I got that food and I, it was the little hunks and I worshiped God that day. I said, you know what? 48 hours ago, there was a, there was a hog standing out in the field and he was eating and now his, his cheeks are sitting on my plate, and it is so good. Can you tell I like pork cheek? Now the question is, can you tell that I love Christ? 
Now, it's easy for me because I stand up here and I tell you about him all the time. And I get a little bit excited. Probably most are more, a little bit more excited than the typical ARP guy does. But listen, does anybody know what you love? Does your love for Christ ever just bubble over into joy? You see, if you enjoy something, it'll come out. And if we enjoy Christ, it will come out. And that, what I think, is, is the essence of worship. Whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Now, why do I tell you all that? Well, the second point is this. Because our affections and our feelings are crucial in worship. Our feelings and our affections are crucial in worship. Now, if I were in a charismatic church... I wouldn't have to preach this message because they get happy and they get happy about everything. And they, go and they get, show a lot of emotion. I went to a, um, a charismatic church to train some pastors back in, I think it was 2000, I went to Ghana. And this was a charismatic group of people. We went to a charismatic church and the women sat on this side and the men sat on this side. And when they took up the offering, four nicely dressed men didn't come down to the front and take up the offering plates and, 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 and pass them around. Everybody gets up and you start to shuffle and you start to dance and you start to come out and you put your offering in plate. All the women come out and they dance. Then all the men come out and they dance. But listen, what we found out was, was that their knowledge of who God is was really shallow. God can be anything and everything over there. Some of them don't, they, they're, they're not really drawn in on who Christ is. But our, that's what it's like in some circles. In Presbyterian circles, let me tell you, I, I, grew, up, I grew up as a Baptist. Baptists were like this too, and a lot of people can be like this. Nothing ever gets our affections. Do, do you ever feel anything? The Hebrew worship for, for the Hebrew word for worship is to bow down. It's an outward expression uh, in the Bible. It's bowing. It's lifting hands. It's praying. It's singing. It's reciting. It's preaching. It's performing. It's cleansing. It's ordaining. But listen, all of those things, all of those outward actions, can be done in vain. I can preach. You know the scary thing for me? I can stand here and preach in vain if my affections in, to the truth aren't engaged. The passage that Jonathan read, the, Matthew 15, 8 and 9, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me. That verse scares the hejeebers out of me. I see so many people. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you go to church? Yes. Tell me about what you love. Christ never comes up. Our, 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 our feelings aren't engaged. Our affections. Jesus meets this woman at the well and when, when, when the truth lands on her heart, it comes out. Without the engagements of our hearts, do we really worship? Now, I don't have time to go into what Jesus says about we worship in spirit and in truth. You've got to have both. 
We do really well as Presbyterians about the truth part. We got catechisms. We teach our kids. We got the truth down. But does that ever meet our affections? Jesus says that it has to be both. Your affections, do you, Jonathan Edwards, the greatest pastor of our time, wrote that when, that when we know Christ, we have affections for him. He wrote a long treatise called Religious Affections that show that when we know Christ, it affects us on the inside and, and, it, and it touches our deepest, in our deepest being. Let me give an ex- ex- illustration. This is an illustration from John Piper's book, Desiring God. He says, uh, and I'm going to put myself in the place of him telling the story so they kind of make a little bit of sense. I come home from work, and it's, it's, not our, it's not mine and Emily's anniversary. I just come home from work, and I stop by uh, Love's Plaza in Rock Hill. I get her some flowers at the flower store. And I come to the front door, and I uh, come to the door. She comes to the door. Who's, who's at the door? She comes to the door, opens the door, and I say, Hey, I want you to go put on, I want you to dress up. We're going to the pump house, and we're going to eat pork cheek. She didn't get pork cheek. She got something else. We're going out tonight. We're going out because this is what good husbands do. It's my duty. Now, hold on to that thought for just a minute because some of y'all just got it. Some of you, especially you women, you women just thought, you're a nut. So, but lately, something that I've gotten in trouble with is my cell phone. My wife, uh, when we're in a conversation, and she and we'll talk about something, and I'll go, ooh, I need to find out where that is. And I pull out my cell phone, and I start doing and, and she hates it when I do that. Rightly so. Because my attention is not on her, it's on my stupid little cell phone. She hates it. I'm so preoccupied by my phone that I don't, I don't, I don't, I ignore her. And here's what it has to do with worship. Sometimes we're like the husband that comes to the door and we say, here, it's my duty. This is what good Christians do. And other times, we just, we're so preoccupied with the circus of our life, we just completely ignore God. And that's dangerous. All of life is about worship. When we bump it up, how do we treat Jesus Christ most of the time? Do we ever have any, do we ever have any affection for Him? Do you ever tell Him how, how much you love Him? Do you ever thank Him for what He's done for you? Affections and feelings are crucial in worship. Let me just give you a little brief little tour through Scripture about what Scripture says about the affections. Affections are crucial. Number one, there's sometimes when we ought to just be stunned silent because of what God does. Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Does your circus ever get so crazy and it's so much that you just stop? You'll go, listen, you're going to go nuts. You know why? I've already been there. If you don't stop and be still 
and know that He's God, your circus will drive you crazy. Part of worship is that we come before Him and God says, be still and know that I'm God. You are not. Second, holy dread. Is it... I don't like talking about this kind of stuff. I like the happy stuff. I like I like the fun stuff. I don't like I'd rather talk about life than death. But listen, scripture tells us sometimes we we need to stand in absolute holy dread of who God is. Isaiah 6. Isaiah saw God's holiness and he didn't know what to say. He just said, "I'm undone." I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Have you ever stopped lately to ponder the holiness of God? If all you ever listen to is Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, CBS, ABC, no, 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 you will forget. You'll think the world has gone crazy. And it has, but you need to tell yourself every day, God is on His throne and He's holy. Amen? You need to remind yourself of that. I can't believe I got Presbyterians to say amen. (laughs) Third, you can't stay in holy dread. There's brokenness and contrition. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices, the outward acts are, that are acceptable, God, is a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. You can, you can talk and you can come to church and you can give offerings and you can sing and you, and you can do everything and it not mean diddly to God. But when you come to God, when you see that be still and know that I'm God, and then you see that He's holy, and what do I do? I'm, I'm, I'm broken before you. That's a good place to be. It's not comfortable, but it's a good place to be. And that's where we need to stay for a while. A, a broken heart is worship to God. I say to God sometimes, I said it this week, God, I am so sorry that my life feels like a circus and I haven't even stopped to acknowledge you for five minutes today. I'm so sorry for that. You got to do that. It's healthy. That leads to Psalm 42, a longing for God. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Psalm 63, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. You know what? Hungry or really thirsty, you can't hide it, can you? My wife, she, bless her heart, y'all need to give her something for living with me. When, when I get hungry or I get thirsty, I go fidgeting. I'm like a, I'm like a stinking black bear in the woods. I'm just like looking through the cabinets and looking for... Hershey bars or popcorn or I eat real healthy as you can see. I start foraging and and looking in the fridge and when you get hungry, 
It comes out. People know when you're hungry. They hear your stomach right now. And my point is this. When we long for... Is there ever a longing for God? Do you ever go just several days and say, I I really need to spend time with God? That's crucial. That's worship. Do you ever do that? Gladness and gratitude. There's, There's... There's stunned silence, holy dread, brokenness, longing for God. There's gladness and solace and gratitude. When your son, those those of you that are your kids are out of the house, but those of you with little ones, when your little girl, when your little boy, when they cry, do you just ignore it? No. No. You, you, You go to them. And God's the same way with us. When we, when we express gladness and gratitude, we go to Him. God responds to our brokenness. And He comes and He lifts up the load of sin and He fills our heart with, with gladness. Psalm 30, verses 11 through 12. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth. It's a symbol for mourning. And, it's, and basically, when, when we're broken, God comes to us. And there's also forward-looking hope. We look forward. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God, for I shall shall yet again praise Him. The Psalms are full of truth. Tells us that God is a rock. God is a shepherd. God is is this, and God is that, and God is mighty, and God... And and, and you, you just can't sit still, and you just can't go... Oh, well, that needs to move our affections in worship to God. No matter if it, I hope it happens here. If it needs to happen Monday through Saturday. I come home and I come to the door with flowers. Knock on the door. Hey, sweetie, I want you to go get dressed up tonight. I want to take you out tonight because that's just what good husbands do. The, the door would probably go boom, Right? I've read all the parent. I'm a pastor. I do marriage counseling. I've read all the good husband books. This is what good husbands do. That doesn't work. Here's what works. Here's a better way. I come to the door, knock on the door. Here's flowers. Sweetie, I want you to go get ready tonight. When we had little kids, I've got a babysitter lined up. Now, you guys, if you want to show her love, you get the babysitter. I've got a babysitter lined up. We're going to go out tonight because there's, no, there's nothing else I'd rather do than to spend the evening with you. Does that show her honor? Does it show her love? Does it, does it express my enjoyment in her? She would never say, all you ever carry, all you ever do is think about yourself. You just want to just go out. No, it honors her. Duty doesn't honor my wife, and folks, duty doesn't honor God. But when I come to God and I say, These, this is my heart. I don't, I, my life is a circus right now, and there's nothing else I'd rather do than just to spend a little bit of time with you. Would you Open my eyes. Would you love me? Would you show me you care? Would you remind me of the gospel and that Jesus Christ suffered and died 
for me and that I belong to you and that no matter what happens, you love me even more. That's the essence of worship. That's what Monday through, and on Sunday morning, that's what needs to go on in our hearts. Let's bow together and pray. There's a, Lord Jesus, there's a voice of amazement inside all of us. But sometimes we can't hear it. And it's not that you stop speaking. It's just because the circus of our life got louder. And I pray, I pray for my own heart. I pray for the hearts of these people. Um, that you would teach us to come to you for no other reason but just to, to listen to you, to enjoy you, to look in your word, to see the truth about you, and just be absolutely stunned and amazed in who you are. I pray that uh, I know... In a few weeks, these folks are going to get a new pastor. And the honeymoon's going to be there, and then it's going to wear off, and it's going to be back to business as usual. But, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, no matter who's in this pulpit, no matter how loud the circus gets in our life, that every person here who knows you would come to you. And even if the heart is cold, Lord, forgive me that my heart is so cold. I don't even know what that guy's talking about up there. I've never heard this. Would you change us and would you give us new hearts and new affections and new feelings for your word, for your church, for Christ? that you would do it all, whether we eat or we drink, that we would do it all for the glory of Christ. In your name we pray, amen.